Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Whatever time you choose to listen to us, we are just over the moon, eternally grateful. Still surprised sometimes that you still do, but we are. And you are listening to another youth ministry podcast. And this podcast is a ministry of the Board of Youth and the Young Adults of the Bible Fellowship Church. Another youth ministry podcast strives to refocus, recapture, and realign student ministry with a grace-filled and gospel-focused vision. I am one of your hosts, Chris, and I am joined by the other two superior hosts, Jared and Tim. Well, thank you for that very positive. <sighs> the question is, which one's more superior? Mm. Who's the greatest? <laughs> Jesus. The servant. The servant's greater. Yes. And today it's Tim because he brought cookies. It is. We're still eating. That's why I'm just silent. I'm chewing. I'm sorry. Chewing. People anyway. are going to hear about cookies on like the next couple episodes. They're going to be confused. Like, did That's Tim true. bring cookies for you know multiple weeks at a time? Well, we've told people. I understand. Yeah. We 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 get we're together bad recording and and, yeah. and we believe that all our people remember everything. Of course. <laughs> why not? And speaking, I love how you're still calling them our people. Speaking of people. our people, our people. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about limited atonement. That's right. So. There you go. We are. That's worthy. Mm. I like that. All right. I like that. Well, say something so I can finish my cookie. <laughs> <laughs> so we are talking about limited. We defined it last time, right? We talked about limited, definitive, particular, whatever you want Whatever to word you want to pick. But we didn't define atonement. <laughs> so we kind of assume that we Whoops. assumed that you know what atonement was. Tim called us out on right. that one. So Chris, take it away. You want to, okay? <clears throat> okay, here we go. The cookies now in my throat. Um, atonement is literally to appease, um, make amends, ma- yeah, or satisfy the wrath is a better way of understanding, at least biblically. Um, mm-hmm. Someone who has just wrath. Uh, for all it's, for, for all uh, human history, there's been quote unquote false gods that um, uh, peoples have tried to appease their wrath through atoning. Um, so it's not just um, a Christian or Jew- Jewish uh, idea, but that's certainly where it comes from, and that's the only place it makes sense. Um, so, as 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 believers um, in the Bible, we believe in a what's called a. Um, Penal substitutionary atonement. Thank you. I, my, I think that cookie did something to me for that moment. Yeah, a penal substitutionary atonement, uh, which we actually talked about that potentially being our next uh, doctrinal series when we when, when we do one of those next. We're not gonna we're gonna move on to something else when we finish this. But uh, it, you, you can break up that word and understand what it means. So penal means penalty, okay, and then substitutionary means substitute. So it means to pay someone's penalty for them in their place through atonement. Mm. Uh, So what Christ did was, well, first of all, God had just white-hot wrath aimed at every single sinner who's ever lived because we've all sinned and we're guilty of sin in Adam and also in our own lives. And so God justly was angry with us and was going to pour out his wrath on us. So Christ came to be a substitute to both live the life we should have lived, die the death we deserved, and satisfy God's wrath, something that we as finite creatures cannot do towards an infinite being. So that's why people go to hell for all eternity who reject the gospel. Um, And to pay the penalty in our place uh, through making atonement on the cross. So that's penal substitutionary atonement. 
Great work, Chris. I got there. Uh, The wheels were spinning for a minute. And and I guess the question, as we handle limited atonement, the the question is, why is it important in youth ministry? Why did we decide to throw this into another youth ministry podcast? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think it's important because, one, the Bible teaches it, right? We we look through the Bible. We're we're teaching the Bible to our students, so we're going to be honest Mm -hmm. with the Bible, handling the Bible accurately. We need to—it comes out, whether you're doing a series particularly on— atonement or whether you're going through any number of passages or books it's going to come up yeah and so it's important to one for us to understand what it is right. understand have a grasp of it and then be able to relate that to our students yeah and you know second timothy three sixteen through 17 tells us that all scripture is breathed out by god and is profitable for teaching for reproof right for correction training in righteousness that the man of god at the end of there might be equipped for every good work so all scripture is necessary to, you know, and that we need to preach the whole counsel of God. Yeah. It's in there. And so as we go through this episode and kind of give you scripture um, and kind of some of the, the some of the uh, arguments in support, we're also going to look at some applications for youth ministry. Right. And then, Lord willing, in the next episode, we will handle the main objections yes. to this doctrine, because there are many. Yeah. Uh, it is probably one of the, I, I, I would call it the least favorite among the five points of Calvinism. Mm-hmm. Election's usually more well-known, but then once people hear about this, they're like, oh, heck no. <laughs> so, And going back to our previous episode, we want to say again that uh, Chris did a great job saying that this is a um, you, you know, like third level essential, like looking at saying that... Right, third tier. A yeah. third tier that um, <clears throat> we understand there are people out that struggle yeah. With this, that doesn't mean they're not a follower, mm-hmm. like a believer, a true or believer. that you can't worship with them. That's you right. Know, this is yeah. a third tier issue. So as we handle these, we believe that sitting here that this is biblical. Yeah. Um, but we also want to say that you know if someone's sitting here and you're getting up, you're maybe you're struggling or wrestling with this. It's good to wrestle with it. Yeah. I, I like the way my professor in seminary put it in the class I just took when he talked about these doctrines. He always, he always asked the question after going through every doctrine that we went through in this overview class. He said, you know, is is this a matter of, of heresy or orthodoxy? Right. Um, does it strike the heart of the gospel, so to speak? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and he actually said on like this doctrine and other of the Reformed faith, if our brothers and sisters who denied this doctrine took that denial to its logical conclusion, yes. Mm-hmm. Because the logical conclusion of limited atonement is universalism. Mm-hmm. But he said, praise God for inconsistent Christians. <laughs> he, said, <laughs> he said, that's all of us, right? Yeah, and right. he says, because of their the fact that they might deny this facet, they hold fast to you know, not universalism, right. then it, it, no, it, it, it does not. So mm-hmm. I, I think that is, that's a helpful good, thing but, to say. But, so it's important, but we, we praise God for our brothers and sisters who disagree and who are still serving the Lord. So anyway, let's let's uh, get into <clears throat> what does the text say, because we want to help you as youth pastors and youth leaders and as parents to teach this to your students. Maybe, maybe you feel ill-equipped, and there's many good resources out there to read on this topic. We'll put some of those in the show notes. Um, but a quick disclaimer, all right, about A, how we're going to approach this, and B, where we got some of the material. So first of all, whenever you build a doctrine or theology, there are very few, um, I'd say, third-tier issues in in theology and doctrine that you can point to one text and say, boom, there it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Bible is all God's Word. You have to use the whole counsel of God, Genesis to Revelation. So understand that we don't think any text per se is a single linchpin argument. However, there are very strong texts, and when you take this as a whole— we believe it very clearly teaches that. It's the same thing with the doctrine of the Trinity, by the way, which is 
a orthodoxy or non-orthodox mm-hmm. issue if, yep. if you disagree on that. So that's yeah. number one. Second is that uh, just where we got this, not the exact wording, but we, we, we took some of these main ideas from a guy named Louis Burkhoff, phenomenal theologian. We disagree with him on baptism, but that's okay. He's in heaven. He knows better now. But his systematic <laughs> theology, I find, is phenomenal. So get it, read it. It's great. Just maybe skip the one on baptism. So <laughs> let's dump into what the scriptures teach about limited atonement. Yeah, the main point, scripture refers to those whom Christ died as his sheep. We talked about John 10, right? Yeah. My sheep, I lay down my life for my mm-hmm. sheep. Uh, and later on, he brings up the fact that he's talking to the Pharisees and you are not my sheep. And yeah. So that gives yeah. a stark contrast between there are people he died for and there's people he did not die. Yeah, he, he laid down his life for. Like, yeah. There was an intention, yeah. And John is the gospel. We'll get to this in the in the objections. You just say, well, John 3, he came to the, you know, uh, for God's so sake, he gave his only son the whole world. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, we're not, we're not denying he came so that any who believe in him, and we'll explain that yeah. in the next episode, but in that same book, in John chapter 10, Jesus actually qualifies himself. Yeah. Um, and, and then in uh, uh, Ephesians 5, Acts 20, 28, Ephesians 5, 20, uh, 5, 25 to 27, Jesus, or the apostle, was very clear to say that Jesus uh, came and he gave himself up for the church, the church. Mm-hmm. That's who he died for. And that in giving himself up for her so that he might wash her, cleanse her, all those types of things. He doesn't do that with the world. Yeah. You know, and and uh, Matthew one twenty one, uh, right at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, when Jesus Christ uh, is prophesied by the angel to uh, Joseph, he says, you, "You should name him Jesus," which literally is Yahweh saves, because he will save his people mm. from their sins. That was his mission from the get go. Uh, so. Uh, Jesus is very clear in his language, the Bible as a whole is clear in this language, that Jesus dies for a specific people, and he's not using universal language. And this matters for our students. Yeah. So your students are his sheep. If they're in Christ, they're part of the church. They have been chosen, and he laid down his life for them for purpose. Yeah. It's what that That's a huge difference than telling a student... Jesus died for everybody, right. every single person. That's why he went to the cross. Yeah. Versus looking at a student in the eyes who you know is a believer, yeah. right? And now this again, this doesn't mean that we say this always to people we're evangelizing, right? Because we believe this, we don't walk around and say, "Do you have the stamp?" Okay, right. I'll, I'll share the gospel with you. That's right. right. That's that's right. That's that's a bad application of this doctrine. Yeah, I, I like to always I like to say for this doctrine, it just as the as the in, individual going out to witness the, the gospel to people, it empowers you knowing as you go out. If Christ died for them, they'll that's respond. Right. That's right. So yeah. I don't need to. I'm not looking for the stamp. Right. I'm going boldly. God. Yeah. God knows the stamp. We well, like, I, I had a professor in college kind of let talk about this and election. Like it's when you walk through the door. Right. It's on the other side of the door. You see. Oh, this is what it means. So you don't know it necessarily going mm-hmm. through the door, but you can. It reaffirms what the door, what the door is. Yeah, in a sense, you a- absolutely greater understanding, greater knowledge of the spirit. So, so getting back to what we're saying, though, yeah. If your student is a believer, they are unique to God. Yes, God has chosen them and loves them in yep. a unique way, just like a husband loves his wife. He might love all women generally, as if he wants mm-hmm. to do good to them. God reigns on the just yep. and the unjust. That's he right. blesses non-believers, but he. He loves his people in a specific, special way. Um, and so what in a day and age in which our students are being swallowed up into having to declare their uniqueness and being tempted through things like transgenderism, homosexuality, 
uh, you know, identifying, um, you know, the whole BLM uh, part in the critical race theory. And so those who might- Pronouns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, so your students who are of like an African-American um, descent, they might feel like they have to find their identity there and in those arguments. And we're not here to argue necessarily against any of those today. But the point is, they have been chosen by God in election, we believe that, but also that Jesus came to die for them, mm. to accomplish something for them. That is the, an eternal truth that they need to hear. Their identity is they are a son or daughter yeah. of a great king. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that, Heirs. That, yes. And that God's eyes have been upon them forever yeah. To, yeah. to die for them. Right. Before the foundations of the world. Yeah. Right. They were they were chosen. They were chosen. And then God actually followed through on that choosing. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just an empty choosing. I, I, I was reading in my devotions this morning in Joshua 23, and Joshua told the people, not one of all the Lord's good promises towards you has he not fulfilled. Like, and that's the same thing for us. So Jesus refers to those to whom he dies for and his apostles as the specific people, as believers, cheap church, his people, the elect in Romans 8 as well. But the second thing is, uh, and this argument comes directly from John chapter 17, same same book, uh, is that Jesus's role as high priest, okay, uh, it, that, that we have to be consistent here. Um, a high priest is one who atones for the people by offering sacrifices. You saw that with the Levitical high priest mm-hmm. in the in the in the Mosaic law, but then also he prayed for the people. He would he would intercede for them uh, to God. He would be the mediator, so to speak. Jesus is the greater high priest, as we see in Hebrews, um, and he offers himself once, but he prays forever. Yeah. So we see in John seventeen, John seventeen nine. You want to read that for yeah. us? It says, "I'm praying for them." I'm not praying for the world, but for those for whom you have given me, for they are yours. Yeah. So that, that's Jesus praying and then also praying and, and praying to God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's praying for his people, mm-hmm. not, and he says very clearly, I'm not praying for the world. So the argument goes, if a high priest atones for specific people and only prays for specific people, as Jesus outlines here, the logical conclusion from that is that Christ's atonement as high priest was also for these particular people because he prayed this right before he went to the cross. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and, and a beautiful application here is just for your students is to realize that Jesus, you know, God the Son prays for his, his people and your student, if your student. Christ, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he died for his students. I mean, I don't, well, for yeah, his for students, his, your students, yeah, yeah, we, <laughs> they're his students before they're your students. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. And we, you know, we we don't believe that. Jesus prays for the the students of the world who will never come to know Christ, mm-hmm. but we believe he prays for our students, so we also believe he died specifically for our students. Mm-hmm. Right. And how encouraging is that? I mean, you know, we like to make application a lot on this podcast to how you say that to students, but, you know, youth pastor, parent, youth leader, I'll say to you, Jesus is praying for your student to right. change, to, to, to know him. So mm-hmm. even when you're insufficient in your mm-hmm. prayer life for them, Jesus is their primary mediator, not, yeah. not you. Amen. And so that's that's super encouraging as to you know why this matters. It has it has implications for our ministry and for their lives as well. And the third thing is Christ's death was a redemption. It means it was a price paid for a reward. His death results in salvation. So the redeem, right? You buy something, you purchase something, you're buying something back in a sense. Yeah. Right. And so Jesus' death was that price. It and it results in salvation. It's not just an open door. It's in action. It, right. it effectively does it. And e- evangelicals uh, broadly will say that, that Jesus' death was a redemption. And so the argument could go then, okay, so he redeemed all people. So what does that word mean? He bought back 
all people. So what happened to that purchase? Right. Mm-hmm. God, God's going to punish that person for their sins twice. Double, you know, we call that like double jeopardy, um, I think, in the, the- theology world, mm-hmm. uh, which doesn't, that means God's unjust. He's punished Christ for their sins, and now he's also going to punish this person for their sins. Yeah. That's that's that doesn't make sense logically, but also biblically. But also, like you said, yeah, their his death actually results in their salvation. Right. And uh, we actually have a text here that highlights this pretty yeah. well. Romans five ten. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life? Yeah. Reconciliation is a restored relationship that was broken. Right. So he's saying that Christ, the death of his son means that there is a reconciliation. If he died for you, you're, you will be reconciled mm-hmm. to God. Right. That's a beautiful thing. You know, that I was just sitting with a student the other night explaining to her the gospel. Um, and I, she was so close. And uh, one of the things that she was struggling with, you guys have probably encountered this, is her faith's not strong enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I have doubts in my faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I point her to the centurion, right? But, you know, Lord, if I believe, help my unbelief. And that's great. But then really what this means is, <clears throat> I said to this student, your, the strength of your salvation is not hinged on the strength of your faith, but on the object of your faith. Mm-hmm. And if Jesus's death, in fact, for you, accomplishes your salvation, that's what your faith is in. Not yep. in your faith, but actually in Jesus's death, for it secures you. It secures you. That's just, if you say to everybody, Jesus died for you, then that means nothing to your right. student. Right, Because, well, he died for my non-believing friends and there's no change in their life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you say, no, no, Jesus died for you, that means, that has power in it if if you believe in, in uh, this view of the atonement, which I believe is biblical. Yep. So. And we also see in... In First Peter two twenty four, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live in righteousness. By his wounds we are healed. Again, emphasizing that his death has healed us. It doesn't leave us in this open, ambiguous. Oh, he died, and so if you feel inclined to believe, then yeah, then you'll be. But it's he died for this to happen. And it shows that the the cross doesn't just have implications for justification, which mm-hmm. is what we usually say it is. Oh, yeah. it's just about being justified. Look what he says. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Right. It empowers you to live to righteousness. Yes. Yes. Yep. And so you say to somebody, if Jesus died for you, that means you will start to live a righteous life. That's right. At some point. Yeah. You know, at some point. Not before you're converted, but right. after it. There's a couple other texts here that are just so powerful that we have listed here. Jared actually- you, well, you, Even yeah. Revelation 5.9, right? We Worthy is the lamb, the scroll, open the seals, and you were slain by your blood. You ransomed people for God from every tribe and t- language and people and nation. So th- again, this speaks to there's some people and there's not some people, right? Yeah. There's people for God from every, not, not for God, every tribe. But yeah, from every tribe. And I think that just to tease the some people argue this there's universal language in the scripture about the atonement. A lot of times that's what the universal language is. All kinds of people, mm-hmm. not all people. people. Yeah. And that's a very important distinction uh that you see right there in Revelation 5:9. Isaiah 53 is I think one of the clearest extensive passages that point to the particular nature of Jesus's redemption. We're just going to read verse 5. It says for he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us 
peace and with his wounds we are healed. So you could, you know, if you just read half of that verse, you could say, well, see, he's pierced for our, that can include everyone's transgressions or Mm -hmm. everyone's iniquities. But then he continues, the chastisement that brought us peace and wounds that they were healed. So if that's the case, then that means if it was universal, everyone's wounds are healed, Mm. everyone's going to have peace. Mm -hmm. And we find in the rest of scripture, that's just not true. Um, And so what an encouragement to our students that Jesus actually died for them. You know, just some closing applications for for you guys. Make much of the cross, the power of the cross. It matters for our students that they will be saved if he died for them. Their sin will be defeated if he died for them. They will make it home to heaven if he died for them. Christ's love for them is so wide that he died, but it's so narrow that it was for them. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a, a sharp focus to that. It's not like a a blank check that's written to cover a huge amount of debt or a donation given to a faceless organization. Right. It was him literally coming and it's like going to serve in that organization, seeing the person in poverty and yes. attaining to their need yes. specifically. Yes. So this is where they this this is application for their identity, their worth, their value in an age where people are especially young people are just clamoring all over social media, mm-hmm. all over, you know, what the world's agenda is throwing at them. They need to find it in Christ's death. Amen. So Thank you for listening to this episode of another Youth Ministry Podcast. We are thankful for you and your ministry to teenagers. May God bless you and your work as you faithfully serve Him, teenagers, and their families. Please connect with us on social media, on Instagram at anotheryampodcast, or you can email us at anotheryampodcast at gmail.com.